if you look at the numbers, way more women came out of the 08 housing crisis millionaires than men did because men just got rid of their portfolios. And the women that held on came out of that in such a great place. Are you looking to create more money, more options, and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron. And each week, my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Women Creating Wealth, the show where we give you more money, more options, and more fun. Actually, we don't give it to you. We just give you the tools. And that's why today is such an amazing day because Erin Halley is with us today and her entire dissertation was written about the psychology of why women don't always have the confidence that they need to actually push that trigger, right? And that's why you're here because you need us to give you that little bit of a little, little push because you're like maybe teetering on the abyss right now. Erin's a self-made millionaire. She has achieved financial freedom through real estate investing, which is what we're looking for. She's an army veteran, a military spouse, and a mom to two. And she has a goal of creating a million millionaires, which coincidentally is one of my goals. So maybe we should be teaming up. Erin, this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So first of all, tell me how you came to be financially independent through real estate investing? Was that like, did you have a silver spoon in your mouth? Did you have some kind of huge advantage that we don't have? Tell us. Oh my gosh. No, I wish, I wish I did. I'm a, I'm a pretty normal person. I, <laughs> I struggled to, to do what I've been able to do and which is why I'm so proud of it and why I'm so happy to be where I'm at because, because it was hard and it was, I learned so much about myself and I'm so proud of myself and I'm proud of my business. And for, to kind of paint that picture, I'll take you back to the beginning. I got out of the army, um, not by choice, but because the army said I was going to go to Afghanistan when my firstborn was six months old. And my husband was also supposed to be going the same month. And so we both would have left her. Yep. It happens all the time. And I, I, when I got, I got an email telling me this news and I was, you know, very sleep deprived, um, new mom, super stressed out. And I laughed, like, I'm talking like this, like delirious, like crazy laugh. And I was like, I'm not going, I'm not going <laughs> anywhere. And so conveniently for me, I had the luxury of getting out. Not everybody does. I had fulfilled my obligation and I was able to resign or request a resignation, which was approved pretty quickly. My husband could not have resigned. He still owed time to the army. So I, I didn't feel like a choice. I got out because there was no choice. There was no option. And I stayed home for a while and I wallowed in resentments and frustration. And I was honestly the most miserable version of myself you can ever imagine. And I, I, I went from this career oriented, super driven woman who was surrounded by other people who were just like me, like, you know, corporate ladder chasers, like had this big career aspirations. And then I wanted to, I pursued full-time employment, but by the time I looked at driving to work every day and driving home. Like I was like, when am I going to see my kid? When would I see my husband who's still active duty? It just, none of it made any sense. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to, I'm going to like 
jump on this grenade. I'm going to sacrifice myself and I'm going to just make it work for a couple of years is what I told myself. We knew we wanted to have at least two kids and it, it was absolutely horrendous for everyone, (laughs) not just for me, for everyone. And I, I can say that now, but looking back, I, you know, when I was in it, I just didn't, I didn't realize like, it just wasn't the right thing for me. I thought, I thought I was a bad mom. I thought I was like, just not supposed to be doing this. And now I know I'm, I'm actually a better mom when I'm building my own thing. And when I have my own stuff and I'm making money, but anyway, I really like to talk about this a lot because I think a lot of women have a similar experience and they, for so many reasons, women stay home because childcare is so expensive or childcare is unavailable, or you end up having to get underemployment because of whatever circumstances where you're living or what your husband's doing or whatever. And so it, the struggle is real. It's, it is really hard and staying home is really a sacrifice and you can do it good for you. But if you can't, um, real estate investing is a really good option. (laughs) So anyway, yeah. So I, so there was like worst place I could ever be mental health, like, you know, down the drain. And I finally was like, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And I actually, in the midst of all this, got diagnosed with this heart condition, which is like a whole nother story. I'm not, but it kind of showed me like, we, you have to do something like you're, you can sit here and be miserable forever and make everyone else around you miserable, or you can go do something about it. And I'm, I'm a doer. So I just said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to buy my first property. And I did, I bought my first single family home. It was a new construction right around the corner from where I lived, put a tenant in it at, at closing, like literally drove from closing, got a copy of the key made at Lowe's, met the tenant of the property, that tenant stayed there for two and a half years. And now we have a new tenant in there now. So only two tenants in that property and the rent has gone up every year. And I refinanced it at one point and I took the funds and I bought a triplex. So that's sort of been the name of the game for us is just scaling. Like we just, we keep buying every opportunity that we can. We've used every possible strategy. I I got really scrappy at one point. I sold my car when my husband was deployed and I bought a flip using seller financing, sold the flip, and then was able to buy the next one. We self-directed our IRAs to buy, um, I bought a duplex in mine. My husband bought or invested in some syndications in his. We're continuing to scale those and And that's just been it. We've just been really committed to our goals. And when we say we're going to do something, we just do it and we make it happen. And it's, it's been life-changing. So what would you say to a woman who doesn't have that husband working full-time, who's going to be the buffer between ramen noodles or, you know, living on the street and, you know, a potentially successful, wildly successful real estate career? Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you asked that because I, I do know what a luxury it was for me to have that, to know that my husband, you know, he, we weren't going to end up on the streets and it made it so much easier to start a business. So I work with a lot of, um, men that are, that don't have that luxury. Right. And it's different. The stress level is different, but I would say that if your why is, is enough, if your why is big enough, if you really believe it enough then you commit to doing whatever you have to do to accomplish it, then you can't fail. And I think you just have to put, so say you don't have like what I had, basically the way my husband and I set it up is we live off of his 
his income. Um, and then everything that I make in the business just continues to get reinvested. I would say set that up for yourself, even if you don't have that set up, like put aside a reserve fund that this is just for living. This is your six month emergency fund or whatever that number of months is and have that as a backup. So you're not stressed about that. So you know that you can cover groceries and cover rent and cover whatever it is that you need to cover. Um, you know, or you or move, you move in with a family member for a short period of time and cut your rent down. I think that once you commit to a goal, like it's amazing how easy it is to sacrifice and, and to do the things that you need to do to accomplish that goal. It's true. And that's what it is. It's just making the decision. You know, I'm going to be successful in real estate and this is what I'm going to do to achieve that. And so you make different decisions. You know, it's interesting. There's a situation right now where in my little house that just kind of highlights that, that truth, right? That it is, it's just where our priorities are. It's just where the decisions that we make, because I'm offered my nephew, this is, this is a family drama story. (laughs) (laughs) Without consulting with my sister, I offered my nephew, uh, I said, you, you, for your birthday, you can have two tickets to anywhere or, you know, I will take you anywhere, whether it's, you know, can it be like amusement park or Paris, I will take you. And so he decided that he wanted to go. He's 15 years old. He decided he wanted to go to the EU for a trip to the EU. And so then I had to tell my sister, that he wanted to do this. And, you know, basically I said, well, you can come, you know, whatever I can't come, you know, I said, oh, okay. Because they decided to buy snowmobiles and they're going on a snowmobile trip and that's where their money going. And I just thought, well, okay. You know what I mean? That that's what's important to you. And this is what's important to me. Like I understand the logic of buying something that you can use over and over again. But to me, like these memories are going to be priceless to me. Right. So it's just, and once you decide I, it is important to me to be a real estate investor. Then you think, well, do I need these new shoes? And do I need these new, this new code? And do I need all this Halloween decorations or whatever the crap is where you discover that you've been spending your money? Like, could I make my own lunch? Could I, right. All of a sudden this money that was always there, you know, you just get this idea. You're like, Oh, you know, I just realized I have all this stuff that I could sell that's in my garage. And I just realized, right? Like you said, go live with a family member. It's going to be short-term because you have decided this is what I'm going to do. And I, you know, just show me the way because I'm doing it. Yeah. But it's so true. We're just like you two. We're all about the experiences. And, you know, we just had Christmas. My kids got nothing, like literally almost nothing. My, they they got one toy each. And part of it is because we're a military family. We move all the time. So we, stuff is not a thing we want. Um, but mostly because we travel, like we're actually going to Turks and Caicos in two weeks. We're going on a Disney cruise in June. We're trying to do Disneyland for Christmas next year. And that's where all of our money goes. And so I, I won't go, I won't spend $4 at, on a margarita at the restaurant up the street. But when I go on, on Disney, I will spend $18 on my margarita and enjoy (laughs) it. And that's, that's just what matters to us. Like, so it's interesting how you can, you justify those things. But like when I, when I travel, I don't want to feel guilty about spending money. I don't want to feel bad about it. And so it's so much easier to do that when you know, you've you've really sacrificed leading up to it. 
Yeah, exactly. And you just say, this is what's important. And, and then, you know, your experience also is it's the planning and it's the research and it's the, you know, oh, and what are we going to do when we get there? It's the looking forward to it. And then it's the remembering it. So to me, like you can't, you know, take that away from people, but but back to real estate investing, it's the same kind of thing, right? It's not just buying your first house. That's not as exciting as all the stuff leading up to it, you know, researching the market and figuring out how you're going to get the money and, you know, doing, cleaning up your credit so that you can get this loan and, you know, whatever it's going to take, right? Yeah. You know, and it's interesting too, that um, I had that, I had one of my, I, so I coach investors and I had this client email me the other day and she said, she had just been dealing with some personal tra tragedy. Both her parents died in the same year. Oh. And yeah, and she is just like not been in a great place. And she said, as she was going through my course, which helps you do all those things, like basically set your goals and figure out your why and then start building your team, looking at your market. And so she's going through all these things. And she's like, the craziest thing happened. She's like, my house started like getting more orderly. Like my life started getting in order. And she's like, my husband even complimented me on like how neat things were looking and how the bank account was looking better. And she's like, I just needed like this direction to, and this like really foundation, I guess, to kind of like pull her out of bed and like get her moving in the right direction. And I said, it's really cool that you, it, you notice those things. I don't know that everyone notices that, yeah. but it's true. Like your life really starts to fall into place when you're finances are in order. And I actually was thinking about this the other day, like my husband and I, we, I haven't had a fight with my husband in like three years. And I think it's because we are, our finances are in such a great place. And like, that's just something that is so stressful when you're, if you're not on the same page about them, or you're just not where you're, where you want to be. And I just attribute that to the fact that like, we, I mean, of course we like snap at each other and things like that, but we haven't had like a real fight. And I, and I think that that has a lot to do with it because we're just comfortable and content and we're, we're working toward goals together. And that's, I don't know, just like, there's no room to fight because of all that. Right. You're right. Well, you're in this, you're working toward the same things. Like what you said is so true. You've got your goals. You've got the same goals. So you're on the same team and nobody's saying, you know, oh, why can't we, you know, oh yeah, I want to buy this thing and I want to do this thing. And why don't we have more money? And why, you know, it's, there isn't any of that pettiness and, you know, everybody's singing this from the same hymnal, if you will, even your children, which is yeah. fantastic, right? Mom, and I have this thing and that thing, and the other thing, like, no, because you're going on a Disney cruise. Hello. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's fantastic. So let's, let's talk about the, the, the subject of your dissertation and, and the whole, the way in which men and women differ psychologically when it comes to making these investments that really take a lot of confidence, right? I mean, you've got to trust yourself to yeah. be able to spend that kind of money and know that you're going to be able to make it work for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. So what I, it didn't start off this way. It wasn't, it wasn't meant to be sort of a um, it wasn't meant to look at like the difference between men and women, but when I started to look at the results of most of these studies, look at, uh, portfolios, dozens and dozens, sometimes thousands of portfolios over typically a 30 year time frame, <laughs> and across the board in just about every single category, women outperform men. And I found that so fascinating because when 
you ask women about their confidence in investing, they tell you they're not very confident. And so we, I dove into that a little bit to kind of figure out really why. And essentially my entire dissertation was like a pilot study. There's still so much more that needs to be, <laughs> that needs to be explored. But so many women state that from a young age, they were, they've never been taught about finances at all. And those that did have that conversation in the household, it's mostly about saving. Even when they have brothers, their brothers are taught to invest and they are taught to save. And they're taught to just like be more deliberate in their um, decision-making and men are sort of taught to just kind of, maybe not taught, but sort of society is, teaches or uh, emphasizes that, you know, you just sort of pursue this thing. And because of those things, women actually are better investors. And because women typically have like a more, um, like something that's grounding them and grounding their goals and grounding their um, reason to invest, like it's usually their family or their future or something like that, they're able to ride out the waves of the market cycle. And of course right. we know market cycle, it's totally normal. But if you can hold on through the cycles, typically that's where you build your wealth. And a lot right. of men trade through that. And like more, if you look at the numbers, way more women came out of the 08 housing crisis millionaires than men did because men just got rid of their portfolios. And the women that held on came out of that in such a great place. And they held on because they knew they had a reason to hold on. They, they said, you know, I'm doing it for this. And that's compelling enough to keep them in the game through that crazy dip in the market. And so um, I, I just tell people, women all the time, like, because of all those things, you, um, you're, you're capable of investing and you're capable of doing really well. And the other thing too, and this is really compelling for me at the time, because every single woman that I coach, every single one bar none says, how do I get my husband on board? <laughs> and never, ever have I had a man say that to me. And it's, it's interesting because men don't feel like they need permission or need that support, whereas women do. And I, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that that is why women are good investors because they understand the value of having someone to reinforce their decisions and to have a second set of eyes on the things that they're doing and to, you know, tell them like, yeah, this looks right to me rather than like just going off on a whim. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're, we're not afraid to ask for directions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or in reinforcement too. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> Absolutely. And I wonder too, when you were talking about the 08 crisis, if, if one of the reasons is because women perhaps weren't as leveraged as men. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure that has, I didn't study that particularly, but I'm sure that has a huge part of play to play in that. You know, and the other thing that just came to me as far as like a rationale for that is that I think women are more, what's the word? I don't know, just in general, perhaps better at choosing tenants, if that makes sense. Like, you know, we're more, we're more likely to call their references. We're more likely to be consistent about getting the credit and, you know, getting, running their credit or whatever it is, whatever our routine is that we're less likely to just sort of like, you know, I'm thinking of the wild west, you know, like, ah, you know, the difference between me accepting a tenant and my boyfriend accepting accepting a tenant in, in one of his properties is 
is vast. Yeah. <laughs> it's vast. Like, you know, I, I need all this information and I want to make sure everything's, and he's just like, I said, you know, did you do this? Did you do that? Oh no. You know, whatever. I'm just gonna, you know, they seem good. And like, what the hell what does that That's mean? Good. A lot of nice people don't pay their rent because they're broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't know, but yeah, it's, I think all those things, right. We could probably sit here and list a dozen or more reasons or potential character traits that women in general, in a big general broad brush have that just make them better investors innately. Yep. And yet we think a lot of women think just the opposite. Yeah. Well, and it's because they society and advertisements and the industry as a whole is it or at least it was so male oriented it was so you know you look at you google wall street and there's this bull and it's like you see all these men in suits and it's changing like you can see the commercials on tv now it's more family oriented and it's like a husband and a wife sitting down looking at things together and it wasn't always like that it was so it was so geared toward men before and I think the industry is realizing not only do women know what they're doing but they're playing a much bigger role in portfolios than they have before and there's so many more women investing by themselves so they're they're definitely like catching on to that and and it's changing a lot so I think that'll that'll contribute a lot to women's confidence too. Yeah, because it is a lot of that subliminal, right? That's a, a message that you may not necessarily be able to verbalize, but when you con- consistently see white men sitting down at the table and that, you know, where the, these are the pro- people who invest, this is what it looks like to be a, a, a stock investor, a real estate investor, whatever, you know, you don't see, there aren't enough women in tool belts, I think. <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> so how can we, how can we spread the word? How can we, how can a woman who's hearing this right now, I guess, convince herself or be prove to herself that she could do it or what kind of encouraging words could we offer? What should we say? Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully just listening to us talk about this stuff, you, you know, that you have all the tools and all the capabilities you need just by who you are, just by how you were designed. And I think another thing to, um, that women don't do enough of is, is share their goals and share their, um, talk money. We need to talk money with each other. You know, so many people don't talk about their, their struggles staying at home. And, and when you do, you find a lot of other people that have the same thing and the same thing happens with money. Talk about money, talk about, um, your, what you want to do with money, how you want to grow your money, surround yourself with people who are, on the same wavelength as you, which you'd be surprised. It's, it might be uncomfortable the first conversation or two, but once you open that floodgate, I've always been amazed at how many people want to talk about this stuff. Um, so talk about it, share, and then find somebody who's like going to want to go take it to the next level with you and, and, you know, sort of link arms with them and go after it. Yeah. And I would, I would add something to that, which is talk about it with people who are encouraging, right? Don't, if you start to say something and you just see people's eyes glaze over or they start saying, oh, but that's so risky. Or I had a grandfather 75 years ago who did that and lost money. That's not a person you want to have that conversation with. But the, the more you seek out 
conversations that shore you up and encourage you to make these decisions, the more you're going to find people, like you say, who you can going to build a tribe of people who are all interested in creating financial independence this way, which we know it can be done, right? I mean, what is it? 80% of the millionaires in the United States got there through real estate or something. It might even be higher. I think yeah. it's 90%. And I think yeah. real estate is, there's more money in real estate than all other industries combined. Well, and you have leverage. Yeah. Right? You don't, you oh, don't yeah. have leverage with stock. The only place you can leverage like, yeah. Exactly. You know, you know, you can't leverage Bitcoin or whatever. Right? <laughs> yep. You got to buy, you want $100,000 worth of Bitcoin, you pay $100,000 for it. And that's not the case with real estate. It's the best. It's the best, best, best. Yep. Awesome. Are there any tools that you use with your students or any sort of even games or procedures or whatever you want to call it uh, that help them to get to the point where they feel a little bit more confident no games but i'm a i'm just a big fan of systems i um we talked about this before we started recording but how how simple real estate is like it's it's really a simple process that you can repeat over and over again and so the the more you can make that process routine and the more you can make um you know find comfort in that process the easier it is to replicate it over and over again that and makes after a lot of first, sense. Yeah. yeah, after your first couple, you can like literally do it in your sleep. And there's so many people that won't make an offer because they don't know how to make an offer. But it's it's one of the easiest things to do. And, the, and no matter what anybody says, we all learn by doing. We're all, you know, we that's just how we all learn. And right. so I think that's the only way you can really get out there is just to put one foot in front of the other and, and make progress. So I teach my people this very simple system process to replicate over and over and over again and just keep doing the same thing starting from goal setting down to purchasing and then repeating it over and over again and I think the more you can keep your goals in front of you and I'm talking like you might have to look at them a couple times a day to really really keep you on track and once you do that it's amazing amazing how they just happen like they just come to fruition it's I can't describe it, but until you do it and you see it happen, you, you, you'll become a believer, I promise. But yeah, um, true. law of attraction just steps in and says, okay, you know, oh, you want this thing and you're ready for it. Then let, here it comes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's it. I think it's just know what your goals are and then create the process that's going to get you to those goals and then just keep, get your reps in, do it over yes. and over and over again. That's it. That's it. I love that. Get your reps in. Exactly. That's what we need to do is just keep on, keep on, keeping on, keep on doing it. Keep on bringing it home. When you first make a goal, right? You make this blue sky goal. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to like my, my current goal is $20,000 a week in passive income. Well, you know, passive income, right? That's not just, I'm not earning that money. That money's coming in. So that's, that's the goal. And at first, it started off at $20,000 a month in passive income. And then it's, you know, and then it says, okay, and then it was 10,000 a week. Now it's 20,000 a week. And it's just, you know, you, you say that to somebody there's like passive, are you crazy? You know, like, I'd be happy to make that in a year. And you'll say, yeah, but well, yeah, you make it in a year first, but you just keep, you just keep, as you say it to yourself often enough, it, it starts to become like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's doable. I mean, all you have to do is X, Y, Z, right? I did this thing. I managed to do 20,000 a year and now I just do the same thing 12 times, right? And then all of a sudden right. I've got that much a month and then I just do it some more. So 
once you believe it, I feel like that is the big, that's the barrier, right? You have to believe it. Do whatever you have to do to believe it. Absolutely. I think that that's something I've learned as a business owner is I can make as much money as I want, which is incredibly daunting, but also incredibly liberating. And there's so many times where that scares me. Like that is, is really like intimidating sometimes, but then there's other times when I'm like, I'm make a hundred K this month. And I, I, you just do it. It's, and it's amazing. I, I don't know that if I had stayed in the army, I never would have, you know, been able to harness that. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about your very first property and yeah. how you got to the point where you were ready to pull the trigger. Cause I think the first one's the hardest, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had about like $70,000 in a savings account when I got out of the army. And, um, well, I guess I had more than that, but that's about what I wanted to put, what I was willing to put into a property, considering that I just gave up my income and had a baby. And so I started looking at distressed properties. Like, so I had been listening to all these podcasts, right. I've been hearing about the Burr strategy and, how to like buy right and get some equity. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So I, I hired a realtor and I had her take me to all these distressed properties. And I was like, okay, so this property is worth 220, but I can buy it for 200, but it needs a new roof and a new HVAC. And I was like, that's going to cost me $20,000 anyway. So where's, what am I winning here? Like I, so I kept, kept running into that over and over again. I just didn't get it. I didn't know where to find the distressed properties. I didn't realize like there was a place you could find them that wasn't the MLS. I didn't know anything about wholesaling. I didn't know anything about off-market deals or pocket listings or whatever. So I ended up finding a new construction home because we actually live, we had a couple of years prior purchased our first home, very first purchase ever, new construction. It had a, a full warranty. Our builder was fantastic. And I, I was really worried about how comfortable I was going to feel buying it. I was like, what happens if the HVAC goes out the first week or whatever? And that's, that was what I was stressed about. And so I said, you know, why not look at new construction? And so we bought a new construction home or made an offer on a new construction home. We offered them full price because a lot of builders aren't going to give you less than what they're listing it for because they don't want to affect their comps on their future right. purchases. Right. But we asked them for blinds, um, a fence, and I think that might've been it. So it was completely turnkey and turnkey when we bought it. And um, like I said, I, I put that tenant in there on day one. And I thought for sure that I was going to wire that money and have this like buyer's remorse. Cause I had always been this person who would like make a big purchase and have this like super anxiety, like buyer's remorse. And that's what I thought was going to happen. And I didn't. And I just felt like I was like, wow, I'm an investor. I had never invested anything. I had like, a you know, um, some mutual funds in my Roth IRA. That's all I had. I just, it wasn't something I ever thought about. I was about 30 at the time when I started. And so I was like, man, I'm an investor now. And then I, I saw, you know, my $250 in income on that one property <laughs> per month, which was, you know, obviously nothing, but 
I saw the positive. (laughs) Yeah. And I, but I saw the value of that property going up almost every month because they were still building. And then also I saw the tax benefits and the way that I was able to offset my husband's W-2 income. And I was like, man, there's really something to it. And the tax benefits was really what, um, was compelling to me because that, you know, far exceeded any cash flow that I was making. Right. And so I was like, well, if he's going to be working and I'm going to be staying at home doing nothing, which is how I felt at the time, which is just, it's such a bad attitude, but um, <laughs> I was like, at least I can offset his income. And so that was really kind of what made me want to pursue it. And then once I, once I had that one and I was self-managing it, which um, I don't self-manage anymore because we've, we move so often. Yeah. Um which, and I'm kind of glad not to, cause I I'm able to scale more easily when I'm not, you know, dealing with tenants and stuff like that. So anyway, yeah, we just, we just kind of scaled after that we had no more money. So I had to, um, that's when I sold my car and did the flip. And then I found out you could self-direct your IRA. And then after that we sold, we moved, um, to California from Tennessee and we sold the house we were living in which we had treated kind of like a savings account. I was paying down like double mortgage when I was in the army because I knew I was probably going to get out at some point. And so we had a lot of equity. So we sold that house and we bought a 10 unit property. Um, And that's when I think I went from sort of like stay at home mom who dabbles in real estate to I'm a real investor. And I I finally (laughs) had the confidence to call myself like and to feel like a professional. Awesome, awesome. So, I mean, our time is just like evaporating, but what advice would you give to people who are on the fence, who are teetering and just need to just jump off the bridge and dive in? Yeah, I would just say, spend the time to reflect on what you want your life to look like, reflect on your why, put it down on paper and then backwards plan to what it would take to get there because it's, it's a lot easier than you think. And it's a lot closer than you think, but the only way you're going to do it is if you put one foot in front of the other. And the alternative to not doing it is living like you are right now, like ever, like mostly everyone else. And, you know, it's certainly a way, but it's not the best way. And I think that anyone can accomplish this. If you just really are real with your why and really commit to accomplishing it. Perfect. Erin, how can people reach out to you if they want to talk to you more and take your course and all that good stuff? Yeah. So my website is bcglobalinvestments.com. My email is Erin, E-R-I-N at BC Global Investments. I'm on Facebook, um, the Erin Helly and Instagram. I'm at the Erin Helly underscore investor coach. Perfect. And we'll put all that into the show notes so that people can reach out to you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Is there anything, I mean, I know we didn't have much time today. We could talk for a couple more hours probably, but is there anything you wish I would have asked you that I didn't think to ask or something that you really want to make sure that you share with everyone? I just think, you know, any, we're all, we're all capable of doing this. So find someone who's going to support you and go after it. Excellent. Great advice. Thanks, Aaron. And thank you, listener, for listening. We'll see you next week with something else really fun and interesting that'll hopefully get you that much closer to being a real estate investor yourself, to being able to say what Aaron said to herself, hey, I really am a real estate investor. In the meantime, have a fantastic week. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. 
For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.